So I'm going to share something that I guess in a way I've been avoiding. And the reason that I've been avoiding is it is that 10 years ago I was diagnosed with an illness and it's an illness that essentially is invisible. So to people that don't understand it, they think you're making it up or they think that it's easier to get over than it actually is. So 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with something called bipolar. The first time I was in hospital, I had what was called a psychotic episode. And they didn't know how the hell it happened, where it came from, or why it happened. And then they didn't really give it a label at that point. And then a year later, when it happened again, they said, oh, I think you've got bipolar. Which I'm sure was very helpful for them. For me... You might as well have told me that you've got yellow wallpaper syndrome. I'd never heard of bipolar. And I know that now in America it's become pretty mainstream. But in England, I hadn't heard of it. And this was back in 2007 or 2008. And I had not heard of it. And so I didn't really know what it was they were telling me. But at least it had a name. Something about having a name at that time kind of felt like it helped because if something has a name then I can research it and then I know where to go so it was obviously very frightening and upsetting to be given this kind of label and the first time I was in hospital for five weeks I don't remember the first two weeks I was on so much medication they put me on so much medication Um, in the last three weeks I remember going outside into the garden with my ballet teacher and looking at a flower and it was a rose and it had dew on the rose and I was so confused because my ballet teacher was not impressed by this. She she couldn't really see its beauty. Whereas because, maybe because of the breakdown or because I'd been inside for so long, it was as if I was seeing heaven for the first time. And when I had a breakdown almost every year after that and I had this heavy diagnosis of bipolar and I was shoved into hospital in a really, really brutal fashion, there was one time where I was injected so hard into my bottom that I still have a bruise years later. So the treatment there was completely shocking. And I went on a journey to find out if it was possible to heal this because I've read a lot of literature along the lines of Louise Hay and Wayne Dyer and a lot of spiritual teachers and there was a book by a woman um, who wrote a book called The Journey and she talks about healing a tumour that she healed herself and I just didn't believe that things aren't healable So I went on a huge healing journey, trying out every different kind of therapy. And I would often have these breakdowns, I would often run out of money and have to build myself back up from zero again and again and again. It was exhausting. Anyway, 10 years later, earlier this year, 
I finally came across something that absolutely went off in my head like a light bulb. And the book was by Pete Walker, and the book is called Complex Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, From Surviving to Thriving. And suddenly it was like, oh, this is what I've been going through for the last 10 years, and no one has told me. So I started studying as much as I could. I bought many books. I started watching many videos on YouTube. And it started explaining to me what emotional flashbacks were. And the exhausting thing about having this illness is that it's invisible. No one can see it. And if someone doesn't understand what it's like, they will say phrases like, oh, why don't you just get over it? Or, you know, if you start mentioning things that happened in your childhood, they'll be like, oh, the past is gone. Let it go. Or they'll say, you just need to lighten up. And all of those things are great pieces of advice for anybody. But when you're having regular emotional flashbacks that are taking you back to times in your past and they're happening simply because someone looks at you in a certain way or touches you in a certain way or you can even, as, as I learned today, you can even actually just be doing it yourself with your internal dialogue. Your inner critic can become so violent to yourself that you send yourself off into an emotional flashback. And sometimes that makes you so angry that you can end up getting stuck on a record where all you see is black or white thinking. And and it's only today that I actually realized that I've never really really accepted that I am ill or that I am traumatized or that I have a very serious condition. I saw a healer maybe a couple of years ago and she she did what was called a blueprint on me and she didn't believe the diagnosis of bipolar although she did say it's definitely your frontal lobe of the brain it's definitely something there and she said I think you have post-traumatic stress disorder and she said you know what I can't locate it which is very unusual because normally when I treat people I can immediately say an event with a date or a time but she said to be honest with you I think it's the worst case of post-traumatic stress disorder I've ever seen I can't actually locate you know what it is and it would make sense then that it is actually complex post-traumatic stress disorder and that's probably why she couldn't locate the time and date because like it says in the name it's complex so it's a build-up of many 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 different traumas and it has really helped coming across this literature because actually uh, Pete Walker in his book actually has management for dealing with these episodes, if you like, of what he calls emotional flashbacks. So it's not a flashback. You don't suddenly get taken back to when you were four necessarily. But you your body feels the same as it might have done in a bad situation when you were younger. And when you were younger, you weren't able to defend yourself or you weren't able to speak up or you weren't able to cry or rage or do any of the normal releasing emotions <clears throat> around 
being hurt or traumatized. And so what happens is it gets stuck in the body, literally. And it's only years later that you start to release it. So there is a ray of hope that at the moment, this week, for example, I have had about three, maybe four emotional flashbacks this week. One came during a yoga class at the end of the yoga class. It was a very cold studio, which wasn't very good for doing restorative yoga. I was interrupted, so I paused the recording, so I'll just continue. So I was in this yoga class and it was really cold and we were doing a bit of third eye activation. I have no idea specifically what it was. Like I said, it might have been memories of the slightly hostile environment of the studio in a way might have reminded me of the mental health hospitals. So whatever it was, I could tell that I was feeling agitated and I'm also aware that sometimes when I do restorative yoga or yin yoga and there's not much doing, there's a lot more being, it's really hard for me to relax because that's when a lot of feelings can come up and it can be overwhelming and I can feel weird about the fact that maybe I'm the only one in the room that doesn't look like a peaceful baby and actually... It's a bit agitated, maybe wants to cry. So when I finished the class, I just knew I had to get out of there. And suddenly coming out into the harsh environment of Peckham, and suddenly there was lots of different noises and lots of different sounds, many different sounds. And this is, a, this is another sign to me that I'm having an emotional flashback because I get really triggered by lights, I get really triggered by sounds, and it's so overwhelming. And then my the critic starts happening within myself. Maybe it's criticizing me, or maybe it starts criticizing the world and my environment, and I'm not able to cope with it. So the reason that I've decided to start talking about this is because... For years, I thought I had a mental health disorder. And there's something about the mental health disorder, especially in the UK where the intellect is revered, that it's just not okay to be to be having a mental health problem. It's definitely seen as something a little bit dirty. And I know that that's how my family saw it as well. They saw it as disgusting, the behavior that comes with it sometimes when you're having a breakdown. They saw that as disgusting. And yes, a lot of people I find are quite afraid of you if they hear that you have some kind of mental health problem. But since I discovered complex post-traumatic stress disorder, and I'm absolutely convinced that it's a much more accurate diagnosis that actually we're not dealing with mental health problems. We're dealing with trauma. I'm dealing with trauma. And so every time someone says lighten up or get over it, actually they're negating the trauma that you've been suffering with in silence all your childhood and all your life. And you've also then been given a diagnosis of something that's invisible. So it's sort of like a three-pronged attack Maybe the abuse was invisible. Maybe it was emotional. So it's more energetic than it is physical. It's not not something you can really pinpoint. 
But shame, for example, is really traumatizing, but it's not necessarily something you can pinpoint. And often if you say anything, the members of the family who weren't experiencing the same kind of deal tell you that you're lying. So you're getting silenced there. Then you get told you have a mental health problem, that you're crazy. And as my father recommended, I wouldn't recommend telling people that you have this, which I know it's more common in America, but here in England, there's still this huge stigma. And then on top of that, you've got people telling you to lighten up and and get over it. And that just makes it really, really hard because you've got all these angles basically saying, be quiet, it's not really happening, get over it. And I think I was for a little bit um, envious of the 12-step programs because I was like, wow, these people have somewhere to go where they all can relate to what they're going through. They've got a a valid um, place where they can go a legitimate place where they actually validate the experiences they've been through and support each other. And I never found a group like that with bipolar. And I haven't looked for it with complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Or when I started to this year, what I discovered was that actually there's very, very few groups. And actually the sport groups aren't like... Um, the Alcoholics Anonymous type groups, they off- there's often a leader and that leader is very particular about how things are run and who says what and what you can and cannot share. So it's not very free. It's not the same as the 12-step groups where you have a moment just to speak your truth and share. So it has been hell for me for so many years and I believe getting the wrong diagnosis to a big part of it as well and more recently finding that these emotional flashbacks which actually fatigue me so much I get so exhausted because they call it a it does something to the adrenals it basically over stimulates the adrenals when you're when you're having a flashback and so afterwards you're quite exhausted and because complex post-traumatic stress disorder comes with a lot of toxic shame, feeling like you're not good enough. Um, It's a double whammy because today, for example, I had plans to um, edit some of my book. I'd given myself a task that I would edit 10 to 20 pages, but because I was having an emotional flashback today, I had to spend the rest of the day taking care of myself, getting myself to calm down, um, doing some stretching, making myself some healthy food, pausing so that I didn't go and buy wine or buy, I don't know, comfort foods. Because, again, you just start to develop really bad habits if you do that. So I just caught myself today. Oh, maybe I could pause for a minute. Maybe I could try and eat vegetables today. Maybe I could just put on calming music rather than trying to comfort myself with something like Netflix Let's just put on some really calming sounds and let's just read Pete's book on complex post-traumatic stress disorder and see if we can get some reassurance and some help, which I really got. Let's see if we can go to bed not stimulated by Netflix. Let's see if we can just calmly go to bed and just comfort my inner child that is screaming to be heard. 
in a way that she never was heard in her whole childhood. All of her feelings were neglected. Her feelings, she was told they were, she was stupid. She was told, she was told that she was over the top or theatrical or she was maybe told to be quiet, to stop being so stupid, don't be so pathetic. Anytime she cried, anytime she didn't want to do something that she was being told to do. And when we had to put up with that for years, what happens is we just shut ourselves down. Okay, these people taking care of me don't listen when I say I don't want to do something. When I say that actually upsets me, they don't care. So in order to protect myself, I need to disassociate. I need to shut off from my own body somehow. And it comes a point in your life where that body that was shut off wants to be reintegrated with you because you can't move forward in your life when you're walking around without part of you there. And that's what I've realized lately. I feel sometimes as if I'm not really fully there. And I think lately what's happened is that I've become more and more exhausted this year because suddenly my body's like, I'm sorry, I can't function like this anymore. I can't put on a performance. I can't pretend that I'm okay. I can't pretend that I can keep up with everybody else. I can't keep up with this script. I can't keep up with this speed. There's no point me pretending anymore because it's upsetting me so much now because I just become exhausted and I also start to become really, really upset with myself because it feels like everyone around me is doing so well and doing so much. And yet, when you have a week when you've got three or four emotional flashbacks and your adrenals are completely worn out and you maybe have to cut your day short or spend the day in self-care rather than working, actually you find that maybe you've only actually got two or three good days where you were actually productive. And it's so upsetting because you feel as if you're trying to compete in a world where there's no way that you can keep up. And so that's why I wanted to make this confession today to somehow finally give myself permission to just say out loud, I have complex post-traumatic stress disorder and some days I can't get out of bed. Some days I get woken up by a dream that feels so real that I'm disturbed by it until maybe the afternoon. Some days I'm so afraid of getting triggered going out in the world that I look out the window and think, oh, maybe I should just stay in bed. And then some days I'm feeling wonderful and I get up and I get on with loads of things and it feels great. And then out of nowhere, I get one of these emotional flashbacks and I feel like I've gone two steps back. And I've got to start all over again. And the motivation that I had for whatever project I was working on disappears. And I feel like I've got to start it all over again. And it is exhausting. And what I found lately is the most exhausting thing is when, when I'm around someone who doesn't believe me, who thinks that I'm just stuck in the past, that thinks I'm simply being a bit negative. And that makes me feel even more exhausted because I'm having to fight for my version of reality. I'm having to fight to say, 
gosh, I hate to say it, but sometimes I wish I had cancer because at least it's acknowledged, at least it's visible, at least my hair would fall out and then I wouldn't get so exhausted from having to explain to you what the hell is going on. I even I even thought about asking my niece, who's an illustrator, to to make some drawings about what it feels like to have this condition. And one of the images that I thought of was a marathon runner who's just done a marathon and is lying down and with an oxygen mask over his mouth. And then his family are coming up to him and pulling the oxygen mask away from his face while they say to him, well done, that was awesome, that was really good. And he's trying to explain to them that he can't breathe. But because he can't breathe, he can't explain it to them. So he just has to uh, pray almost or just hold his breath and just pray and hope that they'll put the oxygen mask back on soon. And that is the only way that I can explain what it feels like. So this has been my confessional today. And if anything that I've said has resonated with you or has triggered you or has made you think or made you feel like sharing, feel free to send me a voicemail, which you can send here at Anchor. And um, if if I feel like it, if, 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 if it serves, I'll put the... I'll put your clip on one of the episodes or I'll reply to you, whichever whichever one you would like me to do. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode and look forward to sharing more of these hard truths with you. The quest is to accept all sides of ourselves. <laughs>